2022 is a banner year for red polls. People all over Minnesota and Wisconsin are posting about them on Facebook, and my email box is full of stories about these charming winter visitors. Red polls have everything going for them as far as their popularity with people goes. They're little, both sexes have beautiful plumage, their chattery calls are pleasant, and they seem amazingly approachable and even friendly. They get along with one another well enough that a surprising number can crowd into a single platform feeder, though if you pay attention, you can't help but notice that some are pretty darn assertive in defending their personal space when they'd prefer not to share. Red poles, which are circumpolar, breed in coniferous forest and scrub of the far north, Seed production in many trees varies wildly, often alternating crazily from one year to the next. In response, red poles stay mostly in the far north when food is plentiful there and head south in vast numbers when it isn't. As befits a bird that can winter so very far north, red poles are shockingly hardy. Researchers could easily look at extreme temperatures in locations where they know red poles are visiting feeders to establish just how hardy they are, but for some reason, some scientists thought it necessary to conduct laboratory studies in which they watched various songbirds become hypothermic and then die as the temperature in a controlled chamber was lowered degree by degree. Common red poles survive down to minus 65 degrees Fahrenheit and hoary red poles down to an astonishing minus 88. I don't know if that says more about the extreme warm-bloodedness of red poles or the extreme cold-bloodedness of some researchers. Red poles have many strategies to survive such extreme temperatures. Their muscle mass increases as temperatures drop below zero, enhancing their ability to shiver, which warms their core tissues. Their plumage is 31% heavier in November than July to increase insulation, and peripheral vasoconstriction, that is, reducing blood flow at their extremities, also thickens their insulation while concentrating the warmth in their core. The fuel that red poles burn to warm their bodies in the first place is very high energy, those tiny seeds, and they can eat over a longer time in a 24-hour day than most birds because they have more rod cells in their retinas, allowing them to feed at lower light levels. And they go to sleep not only on a full stomach, but with extra food to unconsciously snack on as they sleep. Their esophagus has a great many diverticula, or pouches, that they also fill as evening falls. As they sleep, after they've digested their stomach contents, those pouches slowly empty into the stomach, stoking their metabolic furnace through the long winter nights. 
Red Pole feeding behaviors help conserve heat, too. We can't help but notice red poles milling about on the ground as well as in our feeders. In more natural settings, they feed on seeds clinging to trees, but don't necessarily stay in those trees to eat. They're much more protected from gusts of wind on the ground, allowing them to fluff their feathers to conserve their body heat. So both on their Arctic breeding grounds and wherever they happen to be wintering, red poles often shake seeds from catkins and then drop to the ground to eat them. With such a wide Arctic range, different red pole populations show differences in bill size and plumage. Most recent ornithological research has focused on their taxonomy. Some scientists believe there are as many as six red pole species, but based on DNA and other data, other scientists believe all of them should be lumped into a single species. There would be a lot of birder angst if we lose hoary red pole from our life lists. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.